Hello, everybody. Happy middle of the week to you. Welcome to Lessons and Legacies. I am your host, Melissa Price. I'm coming at you guys Monday through Friday at two o'clock every day to remind you that there is always a blessing in every lesson and that your lessons, the things that we learn, those are the legacies that we leave behind for the world to grow from. So I encourage everybody to share their story, share your experiences, whether they're yucky or uh, they're ones to celebrate. The fact that you're here is always something to celebrate. So uh, today is episode 32, and I am very blessed, very honored to have an amazing special guest for you today. Before I let him introduce himself, I, you know, I'm a big numbers person. You might find this interesting yourself. Um, so being that it's episode 32, I, I, I do the numerology thing. So in numerology, numerology, you have to add and break it down to a single digit. So today's episode really is kind of embodying the number five, two plus th or three plus two is five. And five is such an interesting number. Um, one, which I actually didn't really consider this before, but I always re-research every time I go into it. Cause there's always, there's so much information about numbers out there. Sometimes you miss things or sometimes a certain piece of the symbolism will stick out to you more in a certain day. Um, but so the number five, it is considered the number of humanity, which I didn't know. We have five fingers, five toes on each limb. Um, you know, we're like, it's five is the number of humanity, I guess. Um, it's also in the Bible considered to be a number of mercy and God's grace. It shows up in the Bible a lot also around that. Like it's been a very graceful and merciful number from God to humanity. And um, what I knew already about five, um, is that it is a number that represents, especially when you're doing cards, um, depending on which way your card falls, whether it's upright or upside down, um, number five represents change and an opportunity for change in a positive way where you can embrace it or in the opposite where you're resisting change and it's you know, something that comes against you. And I found that extremely pertinent to today because Mr. Brian, my wonderful guest, who's about to introduce himself, I feel like that totally embodies you. Wow. So without further ado, I am humbly honored to have you here and I will give you so many flowers through this episode and let everybody know my experience over the last four years with you. But please introduce yourself to everybody and tell them what you do. The wow. long list. The long wow. list. <laughs> wow. How could I dare follow that? Oh. First of all, I already learned some stuff about five being the number of humanity, the number of mercy and grace, the number of change. But I love to do these, have these opportunities where I get a chance to share publicly with someone. And I typically like to start my talk off with that our lives are not scrimmages or practice games. There is no martyrs hall of fame time. This piece takes its toll. And for all of us, every day really is the Super Bowl. And I really like that. That's a stanza from one poem that I really like called um, The Psychology of Man. Okay. And it's a really long poem and I have it memorized and one day I'll share it with you. But I like to start off that way because it kind of gets me in the mode. But um, my name is Brian K. McNeil and I am the sales confidence coach. And I help entrepreneurs to sell themselves and their services better than they ever have before so they can earn more money than ever before. But I'm more than that. I'm also a husband. I'm also a dad. I'm also a granddad. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I would never guess that. You look, you just, you, one of those ageless faces. He, he never yes. ages this one. Well, that's one of my favorite roles as actually granddad. Yeah, and this, this cotton in my face, I earned every one of them. Because um, life has taught me some lessons. I believe um, that. I do, I do believe that my, my job here on earth is to do the will of God. And I think I am his hands and feet extended. And he has uniquely gifted me with the gift, skills, and talents that I have to help people to sell better. So I feel like I'm supposed to do this because God's wants me, God wants me to. So that's who I am. Okay. And that's that's just one of the things that you are. Brian, my gosh, he's he's an author. Okay, not just I am an author. coach, he's an author of many different books. One of my favorites. It's a family favorite here. Why 
Why Rhinos Make Great Salespeople. This is a children's book for children and adults. Wait, where is it? Yeah. There it is. Yes. I've read this book several times just for myself, but I do share this. The kids, I've, I've sent you pictures of the kids reading it too. Yes, yes. This but uh, you've written, how many books have you written? Four books. Four I've books. Four books, yes. Mm -hmm. And we have, um, we've got some friends joining in too. Yusuf is joining us all the way from Morocco, actually. So thank you. Good to meet you, Yusuf. How you doing? <laughs> yep, I've um, written four books. Mm -hmm. um, I've written The Shortcut, uh, The Fastest Route to Selling Your Services, Better Than You Ever Have Before, so you can earn more money than ever before. That's and right. I also wrote um, Asking for the Money, How Anyone Can Close More Sales, Even You. And also, you've actually held up my third one, which is why <laughs> rhinos make great salespeople, featuring That's Mr. Right. Randall the Rhino. Yes. And I also wrote a workbook that I don't have handy, a workbook on how to facilitate training on how to become a sales champion. Yep. So, and I and have a couple more books coming. They should have been out already, but they're not. So. That's all right. You, but you, you always got your plate full. Not only are you an author and a sales coach, but you do all kinds of workshops and events, both, well, now totally virtual because of pandemic. But I know mm -hmm. in the past you used to do virtual and go yes. and travel around to different sites and venues. And also you're, you're a minister, are you not? I am a minister. Yes. I am a uh, licensed and ordained minister and I got ordained in 2018. I remember um, that. <laughs> yes, yes, it's 2018. But another large part of my life is uh, I'm the founder of an organization called Men Male Empowerment Networks. We meet twice a month for men and teenage men. So that's a large part of my life as well. Um, it's very interesting how easy it is when you're talking about yourself to forget some stuff until someone reminds you. But thank you for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you have a long list. Again, I told you I look up. Um, <laughs> And what else? Oh, I had something else. And now it just kind of went out the window there. Oh, yeah. Another thing, too, which you guys are going to get to have a little taste of. I came prepared. One of my favorite labels and roles that Mr. Brian fills is he is what I like to call a master storyteller. I came prepared with today. You got your popcorn. I heard you brought a story for us, which I encourage everybody stay tuned, hang in here because he's one of my favorite storytellers. I literally get my popcorn ready every time. So I brought two today if we have time, but I'm definitely gonna tell one. Yep. And I, yeah, I have ready. a special request too. You know, I've got oh, okay. that request. Oh, she did. So that'd be the second story. <laughs> and your request. one more thing I have to say too. Well, I have two more things to say about you. Um, Lessons and Legacies, the show is around because of my book. Beautiful I book. recently in 2020 published a book, Lessons We've Learned, Legacies of Life. And guess who I'm so grateful to say our publishers were? None other than Brian McNeil and his lovely wife, Lisa Santiago McNeil, husband and wife publishing team were responsible well, for- Calling me a part of the publishing team is being very generous, but the publishing team is basically Lisa. Well, I know, but you gotta be there as a husband. You gotta like- I do, her. and I do you whatever gotta, she asks me to do. She asks me to review stuff for Yes, I do. Can you fill in for shows when she's had stuff to do. That's I true. pick <laughs> her up and boost her up when she's overdone. Like she is a, a an insanely talented woman who's just nonstop. Mm -hmm. I don't know how she can take on as much as she does and still stay, stay sane. But I would say I would have to credit part of that to you. He's a well, good, one of good the reasons husband. why you stay sane is she does have an outstanding mate. And so do I. Yes, she was blessed. <laughs> she was blessed. <laughs> and um, another thing I, I was saying to you in the green green room before we roll into the topic for today, um, I told you, I usually, before I come on these shows, especially when I have a guest, I usually will, like I've got my notebook always right next to me and I have a couple little bullet points and mostly I do that to keep myself on track because I like to talk and then sometimes emotions come out and then you get sidetracked. I don't know where I was, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but for you, I did not prepare on purpose and I wanna give you a compliment. Um, 
I've only done that with probably one, two other people. My husband was one of them. But because out of the four years that I've known you, you have always been one of the easiest people to talk to and be around. I remember wow. so many events that I've gone to or even phone conversations that we've had where you are just, you're like one of those people that you feel like, man, he was my papa in another life. He was my uncle <laughs> B. There's Uncle B up in the corner right there. He's, he's, he's my cool uncle. You know what I mean? Because you're always one of those people that you want to go sit and talk to and you listen and you're not judgy and you just make everybody feel so welcome. I always get the big bear hugs from you and stuff. And I'm like, I feel like I'm supposed to be there. Like you want wow. me there, you know? So That's you're a very, very nice. genuine, real, amazing person to speak to. And so I was like, no, just, I, I was so excited to be with you. I'm like, ah, he tells great stories. I look up to him. You've been a great mentor. You have mentored me from afar without even knowing it. I get so much from you guys, both you and Lisa on the Empowerment Duo, um, Monday through Friday. That's their show on Facebook. Um, is the Empowerment Duo, 9 a.m. Monday through Friday, called Let's Talk About It. That's you look up yes. the Empowerment Duo and the show is Let's Talk About It. You're always bringing the stories, always bringing the wisdom, always bringing the scripture verses, always bringing the good reads. And I just, so I was like, why do I need to prepare? It's it's Uncle B. So That's right. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, so today we're talking about resilience. And uh, what do you say about resilience? What's that mean to you? I think resilience is one of the most important words. I think um, in my practice, I very often list resilience as one of the characteristics that you must have to be successful. For example, I think if you endeavor to go into business, your business is going to ask you a basic question. Your business is going to ask you, how much pain is Melissa willing to take before she quits? Right. And I do believe that you're going to have to answer to your business life that question. I don't think we get a, can get away with not answering the question because the question is going to be asked. How much pain are you willing to take before you quit? Now, once you pass that question slash test, then I think providence happens and your business rewards you once you pass that test. You need resilience because there will be some seasons better than another. Right. But if you That's pass funny. that test of no matter what the pain is, I'm not quit. Once you get that thought process behind you, then you're opened up to receive what you need. Yeah, so resilience is critical. And I want to, I'll throw something out there for you to clarify, if you wish. Um, quitting, when you say, like, that doesn't mean not changing course, you know? Um, right. I think sometimes quitting can kind of feel like when, I don't know, I'm saying like, if I have to change course in what I'm doing, or maybe like, okay, I'm on this road, but oh, if I veer off over here a little bit where I'm still kind of running <coughs> parallel to this, but I got to make some changes for at least right now, that doesn't really, to me, equate as quitting. You're still going, you're still moving, but sometimes we have to have, you know, new tactics, I guess, so to speak. Absolutely. Um, it took me four tries for my business to stick. Four times I gave it a shot before it landed. The first time I gave it a shot full of enthusiasm and, and wanting to go get this thing. And that's what I did. I made great money. Then I made less and less and less money till I made no money. But then I had a wife and kids and a mortgage and car payments. So I had to go back to a job, a real job. I know I that. I've been struggling there myself too. I've been right. like on the edge. I'm like, I don't want to work for the man ever again. Come exactly. on, Lord. You know. And I will tell you, when I went back to work for the man, I did it because that's what we needed to do. Right. But I didn't like it. I mm -hmm. felt, for me, I felt defeated. So what happened was, I would go back to work for the man, and then I would have degrees of success on the job because I always stayed in my field, sales. And I'd find myself succeeding and I'd find myself becoming a champion again. And then my confidence would get bolstered again. Mm. I'm like, why am I doing this for them? I want to do it under my own shingle. I want to do it under my own umbrella. Right. And I would try again. And the same thing happened to me. And I, I had success and then less and less and less till it was none. And I got defeated and I did not like it every time. And the last time it happened, <clears throat> Um, cause I had, I had felt this pain in my belly, Melissa, for months. I was like, I don't want to be here at this desk. I, ah, yeah. I don't want to be 
talk about waking up depressed every day, going off to a place, trudging off to a place where your fear, your spirit just feels yeah. trash. I, I felt pregnant with my idea. I've never been pregnant actually, but I, I imagine <laughs> this is what it must feel like. Right. I need to give birth to this. All I was looking at and reading about was how to launch, how to give birth, how to start. All my thinking was that. And then the day, and I even asked them to, the day they said, Brian, we're laying off and you're included in this round of layoffs, I felt such a relief. I felt such a relief. Oh, relief. Okay. Relief. Oh, yeah, I guess, because you were like, now I have an excuse not to be here. Hey, yes. I didn't do it. <laughs> but I can really tell you the moment where it all changed for me. Um, if you want to hear it now, because I do, sure. I, it was 2013 was the last time it really changed um, for my business. But um, I was in trouble financially. Mm -hmm. um, people weren't paying. I was behind in everything. I was behind on my my rent. Uh, I didn't have a car payment at the time, but I was behind on my rent. Uh, I was behind on something else. And, and it was just me. I lived alone in a small house with me and my cat, Archie. <laughs> and and I was thinking, um, the thought came, maybe I got to go get a job again. And I said, no. And I stood up in my living room, just me and my cat, and I'm praying out to God. And I was like, God, this time, I don't care what happens. I don't care if they take my home. I don't care if they take my car. I don't care if they take everything I own other than the clothes on my back. I, on this rock, I'm going to stand and I'm not going to quit no matter what. And I was crying as I said it. And Archie was just standing there patiently looking at me. Aww. You know, he was on the armrest of the um of the chair, just looking at me. And I'm like, I mean, I don't care what happens. Look, I'm not quitting my business this time. I'm not right. doing it. And Melissa, it was like Providence opened the doors. After that day, maybe a week later, up to not even less than a week, I got a phone call saying, Brian, we have a speaker slot that pays $2,500. And the speaker we booked can't show. Wow. Can you come? The only thing is Friday, man. It's happening this Friday. And this is on a Wednesday. And I needed that money. Right. I was like, mm -hmm. I could be there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find something. I needed the money. <laughs> so, and I didn't seek that opportunity. It came, and I really believe it came because of Providence. Mm -hmm. what, uh, what, has, what has brought you? What would you say do you have in you that helps you to be resilient? Where do you find that bounce back, that strength? It goes back to one of the things I said earlier. I really believe that this is what I'm supposed to do. Okay. So it's not an option that I do anything yeah. else. Um, I like to lean on um, Colossians 3 and 23 and 24, where it's talking about in all work you do, do it as if you're working for the Lord and not man. And then 24 is for, you know, there will be a reward for this. Right. For, you know, so the way I see that is I don't have to be succeeding or making a lot of money all the time, but I do have to keep working as if I'm working for the Lord because the rewards are always going to come if I do my part and continue to work. I like that. You said that too. There's uh, I think there's a lot of faith that is uh, it helps with the resilience level. I think mm -hmm. for myself, I will lean into my faith deeper when I need to be resilient. You yes. know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know why. That's it. There, there is a, a big level of faith. And so actually that brings up another point to me. Um, okay. The word of the year for me is anastrophic now. Love it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, I have some questions about this word for you. I had no idea the word existed. I didn't know what it meant until you were on William Brown's show, the uh, Disconnect to Connect One Word Conversations, and um, you were doing the word anastrophic. And I, in the beginning, I thought it had something to do with animals, and I was way off. And then I looked up the definition and I still didn't get it. There's a couple definitions out there for it. And then I watched your show and I was like, well, that's not what the definition says. So I, <laughs> I was kind of all around it. I landed happiest with your episode with William Brown. So if you would, would you discuss, first of all, how you came to know that word, what it means. Sure. And yeah. then I'll tell you kind of how 
it melted into being my word of the year. <laughs> All right. Now you told me to tell the long versions of the story. So go for it. Um, such a w good storyteller. <laughs> w. Clement Stone was the founder of Combine Insurance. Um, and this is back in the 30s and 40s. Okay. And um, he founded an insurance agency, and his basically policy was never take no for an answer. Okay. Good policy. That was his policy. Yes, back then. I don't think you can get away with that today. But back yeah, then, that, yeah. <laughs> but back then, his insurance, he said him never let he never let him take no for an answer. And he came, he started using the phrase anastrophic. Now, the way to best understand it is catastrophic first. Right. If you understand what catastrophic is, and then he has an idea of what catastrophic people are. And catastrophic people are people who believe that the whole world and everything in it is conspiring to do them some harm. That's right. Like the traffic light recognized my car and stopped me so that I could be late. Yes. That's a catastrophic thing. The light, the light meant for you to be late today. Yes. <laughs> the light meant for me to be late. The ticket agent at the airport didn't like me. You know, something like that. Okay. She don't know you. Okay. But, you know, those kinds of things. Those are catastrophic people. And Anna, opposite strophic people, are people who believe the exact opposite, that the whole world and everything in it is conspiring to do them some good. Um, interesting thing about the W. Clement Stone, he came to that understanding because of an incident that he saw when he was a teenager. His uncle um, had a farm and he had sharecroppers. He had black people on his farm as a sharecropper. And he was in a he was in the barn with his uncle, and they were making barrels with wood staves and uh, metal rings. They were building barrels, and he was helping his uncle make some barrels in the barn. Mm -hmm. And a little black girl from the sharecropping family came came inside the door while they were in there, and she just stood there, didn't say anything. And he says, "What you want?" Because my mammy says she needs fifty cents. Well, you tell your mammy I'm not giving it to her. Now go on now. She goes, yes, sir, but she didn't move. He goes, what are you doing? And they still went back to work and they noticed the girl was still there. What are you doing here? My mammy says she got to have that 50 cents. I told you I'm not giving you or your mammy no 50 cents. Get out of here. Yes, she, sir. She ain't taking that, no. <laughs> right. So then the uncle got mad. He picked up one of the wooden staves that they used to build barrel. And in a menacingly way, he came towards that child. And W. Clement Stone thought he was about to witness an assault. He came at her, I told you. And as he got close to her and raised the stave, the little child stepped forward to him and screamed, my mammy got to have that 50 cents. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and he paused and he put the wood on the ground and reached in his pocket and took out 50 cents and gave it to that girl. And she took it and she was still looking at him and she backed away till she got to the door and then turned around and ran. Wow. And the uncle stood there. He couldn't move for a while. And W. Clement Stone watched that. He went, how did that little child conquer that man? She That's had conviction. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. I don't think I heard you tell that one in the four <laughs> years that I've heard all Papa's stories. That's a good one. That's probably got a hundred stories you haven't heard. Yes. Oh my gosh. So that's something to be said, man. That's resilience. That's resilience. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think there have been times, I think as a child, I probably have held my ground better than an adult. Actually, there's something. Probably about, so, because yeah. we get taught as adults to not do that. Right. You know? That and we get distracted and we as adults have been broken and hurt yep. a lot more. Yep. You know, there's something mm -hmm. about I guess the innocence of a child and the connection they have to source and creation that's still all fresh and yes. they've been damaged and battered and broken by the craziness of this world. They, I don't know, my kids stand up to me all the time and I'm like, excuse me? You said, <laughs> what? I mean, what? Did you, did you just tell me no? I used to get cracked for two, two uh, oh my god too many times for using the word no no mm -hmm. is such a, a freely used word these days with the kids and it's like i didn't raise them like that where do they get off doing this i wasn't raised like that i'm like where is this coming from it's, well, it's crazy but there's that resilience that built-in resilience i think and yeah. it does take a degree of confidence to say the word no especially oh, yeah. as a child 
because it's easy for them not to. Um, so I know you may not like it all the time, but maybe take a little bit of solace in that you're raising confident children in a negative world. Yeah, I hear that. Tammy Streeter's joining. She says, great story, Brian. And Danny Murphy, he's all the way up in Maryland. He's joining in. And he said, this was from back in the beginning. He said, take the credit. Take the flowers I was laying on your path there. He says, suck it up and take the credit, Brian. She's trying to pour into you. I will. I will, Danny. Thank you. (laughs) So, all right. Since we went down this child path here, do you think that we're born with resilience? Why or why not? And then do you think resilience is something that can be developed? Now, what a great question. First off, I don't think we're born with resilience, but I do think we're born with a a big cousin of resilience, courage. We're born with courage to try and do and go and have. And we we don't consider the opportunity, the option of failure. But then we learn the option of failure. And then we have a choice. I think we diverge. Either we're going to maintain some confidence, maintain some resilience, or not. Okay. Now, I think resilience, you get that because resilience has to be hardened and forged and taught and learned and retaught <laughs> and experienced to get resilience. I've been through this before. I lived through it before. I can live through it better this time. That's resilience. The last time I was in this situation, I came out of it clean. I don't have to let it throw me this time. That's resilience. So I think resilience has to be developed. And it really starts with your very next opportunity to demonstrate resilience or not. Are you going to go forward boldly or are you going to retreat? Are you going right. to take the arrow or take the pain or not? Right. That's how you develop resilience. I Well, I do believe that resilience can be developed for sure. Um, and then, okay, just slight difference of opinion here with it. I, if I'm in my book, I've already kind of written this in there several times. My mom has a similar standpoint. Okay. To believe that mother and daughter kind of align there, but (laughs) um, I personally feel like we are born resilient and I have two two things to throw at you there. Please comment. Um, What about our fight or flight instincts and that whole idea of, that we are born to survive. Resilience is actually defined in the dictionary as the ability to bounce back from tough situations. So whether that's meaning you're the gazelle being hunted by the lion or you know you're coming out of bankruptcy or you know whatever your your situation is, um, I feel like we were born with instincts that keep us alive. That so to me I feel like resilience is kind of a almost a flight or flight, fight or flight mechanism that we have. Well, that would be true if you believed that fight or flight is resilience. You know, that's definitely true then. Yep. Well, it's the ability to bounce back from stuff. So I guess bouncing back would be surviving, right? I guess. Bouncing back and surviving. I mean, see, see, we could go into a one word conversation with Bill over this one. <laughs> Love it. So. I would love to ask you, um, if you don't mind, there is a favorite story of yours that I've heard probably four or five times, and I already kind of gave you a heads up. I love this story for so many reasons. Um, I do find that there is resilience in this story, but there's a lot of other golden nuggets in this story. Because every time you tell it on your, your show, the Let's Talk About It, there's so much that comes out of it. Everybody starts commenting. I think the last time Lisa Lisa was talking about a rope and this and that, it, we went everywhere with that story. It just, I'm hoping that happens again. Evolving. Oh, Precious is on. She said, hey, Brian. Hello, Precious. She's here. She says, we are all equipped resilient because it's attached to our assignment. Pain into power is the price of admission. I get that. So, okay. yeah. This uh, this story, I would love for you to tell the frog story, please. Let's do it. Two frogs. Get your popcorn ready. Buckle up. This is my favorite Brian story ever. (laughs) I have to come back and give myself room to tell this story properly. Get ready. Two frogs are hopping along in the jungle. They're (laughs) hopping along the jungle. They both fall into a huge hole. They look around the hole. 
a pretty deep hole. So they start yelling, help, help, help. <laughs> the other frogs hear them. The other frogs come around and look down in the hole. They look at the situation and says, there's no way you're going to get out. It's too deep. You might as well stop trying. You know, there's no way you're going to get out of this hole. So one frog hears that and just lays over and dies. The other frog starts jumping. And he's jumping. And the other frog's yelling, you can't get out of this hole. Stop trying. And he's jumping harder. And he's jumping harder. And he's starting to bounce. And he's jumping. And he's jumping. And he keeps jumping. And they're yelling, stop trying. Stop trying. <laughs> he keeps jumping. And he catches the ledge. And he was able to crawl out of the hole and saves his life. The other frogs run over to him. Why'd you keep jumping? We told you. There was no way you're going to get out. He goes, I'm deaf. I didn't understand nothing you said. What? I didn't hear a word of it. I thought you guys were encouraging me. I thought you were telling me to keep trying. I thought you was telling me to jump harder or jump higher. I saw you waving your arms. That's what I thought you were saying. See, now the first frog heard what they actually said, and it cost him his life. The other frog heard what he thought they said and ended up saving his life. And there's just so many morals of the story. You're right, Melissa. But one of the morals that I like is so much of the time, our success or failure, our life or death is dependent on what we choose to hear around us. Yep. That's kind of where I was going with it, too. And to round it back out to resilience, because there, there's just so much. There's so much in that story. And again, I've heard you go... We, Brian can really elaborate on this one too. <laughs> it, it, it can go on and on. I've heard all different versions of this story, but uh, yeah, I, I think we can, speaking of different places, we find our resilience. You know, I mentioned faith and in God and whatnot. That's it. That's one place. But um, like the story says, seeing other people either cheering you on. Yes. Or, yes. You know, that's what you saw He because the frog couldn't hear, but he, I mean, what we put into and what we receive from other people is a huge part of our resilience because, it is, like you said, what you choose to hear, he didn't have a choice, mm -hmm. but he could have been hearing, he could have been hearing, you know, you'd be like the the football team that's not at home and you're walking into the stadium and everyone's, boo, you're never going right. to make it. He's going to fail. He's going to fail. Just stop, 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 you know, but he kept going maybe because he was breathing so hard he couldn't hear them. That, that could be and even thing. that analogy there is such a good one because some some players being booed by the opposing team is a motivating factor. Yeah, I'm going to show them they're right. booing me, or I'm going to shut them up. Okay. Yeah, my husband's good for that. The the whole <laughs> challenge, I, it's it's a challenge mindset. I actually, when I first moved here from Michigan, the. Uh, Senior restaurant manager, he was just a couple years older than me. We were close, but uh, he trained me in Michigan. And then I got promoted and met up with him down here. And we worked together for several years. And he got to know me pretty quick. I'm one of those people, like, if you want to motivate me, tell me I can't do it. Exactly. You know, and there are some people I like that. Do it. So I get that. I get that how it can like for sports. I, I don't know. I don't know because I don't really play sports like that. If I would feel that way, if I was going out to play a game. But yeah, mm -hmm. like my husband does that to me. Like, oh, you're not going to be able to handle all that. My boss, be like, oh, I would ask for extra responsibilities to try and get a raise and climb up the ladder. And be like, how about I take that server schedule off your shoulders? How about I do? Oh, you can't handle all that with your job. I'm like, watch me. See, yes. sing. and then mm -hmm. he would always look back over his shoulder and laugh. And I'd be like, it took me a while to get, I'm like, you do that to me on purpose. Don't you like you down talk mm -hmm. me and tell me I can't, I used to think it was cause like I was a girl or I was a little younger than you or whatever. You've got more experience than me, but I'm like, you figured me out. And I didn't even know that about myself at that time. But yeah. that was uh, when I moved here to be a restaurant manager it was probably like the highest um, level responsibility job that I've ever had. It was a first time ever being a manager and first time living in another state, had no family, mm -hmm. friends, anything. It was a, a big very deal. dynamic time in your life. All and that it, going when on. I was trying to prove, you know, I, I was trying to prove it to me 
I was trying to prove it to my boss. I was trying to prove it to my family and my friends that I did not make a stupid decision to come on down here and separate myself. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, the, what I received from him, what I took in from him, you know, my husband will usually do it just to like light a fire under my butt sometimes in a comedic way, but I receive it. And I it, still, every time it happens, I notice that it's happening. Because it's visceral in you. It's, Why? it's a like, part of who you are. You Even if you know it's coming, it's, you still can't stop it, you know? Right. What does that say about the spirit, though? Does that mean, would, would I consider myself to be like a competitive spirit or I like a challenge? I mean, I still haven't really figured out that I do that and respond to it in that way, what it really means to me. See, I think it's all of those things. It's, it's spirit, it's a challenge, but it's more importantly to me, it's just a part of who you are. It's a part of who you are. It's a part of your fabric, a part of your DNA. You know, even if you know my husband's gonna probably try to do this, still <laughs> it touches you viscerally. It touches you inside, and it still can have the desired effect. Yes, it still can. Stephanie's here. What's up, Stephanie Morris? Congratulations on your new show with the Empowerment Network. I'm excited for her as well. Yes, yes. We mm -hmm. celebrate you. I was so happy to hear that wonderful news. And mm -hmm. uh, Precious, she says, telling me I can't do it doesn't motivate me it separates me and i and, guess like i see that's it, her you know yeah mm -hmm. like if my mother told me i couldn't do it i kind of invest a lot of credence in that because my mom is always my number one supporter and i mm -hmm. to me if she told me i couldn't do it i would say that i might trust her wisdom a little bit more than my own gusto at that moment because my mom has always wanted nothing but the best for me and supports mm -hmm. me even in my messy endeavors you know, so I guess maybe it's considering the source. I don't know. Well, even that right there, parents, school teachers, they have such influence on, on the children in the classroom, children around the house. And that's why it's so harmful when parents um, don't understand and they say negative stuff on their children. You're stupid. You're never going to amount to anything. Those things sting and they last for a long, long time, you know, and, and, and teachers sometimes to me, it's even worse. You know, they got 25, 30 kids in the class, but they uh, downgrading the whole class. It's just, ugh. <laughs> I don't you know? even know. I don't even know how they do it. And again, a lot of them are, are caving. A lot of teachers right now are caving just because of circumstances right now. I thought they were saints the way they were doing it before, but anybody who's been lasting and dealing with the online education and stuff right now, just like, <sighs> resilient. Resilient right. is the name. It's tough for them right now. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. It's tough. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's a tough mm -hmm. time. So, like, all right, moving forward into 2021, do you, what do you see areas that you're going to need to build resilience in or be resilient in? What are you looking to tackle in 2021 where you feel like you're going to need to, like, get the big boy armor out and be ready to tackle what may or may not come your way? Interesting question again. Um, for me, and, and I'm not sure if it will be for everyone, but definitely for me, is um, I believe I have to learn more and I have to be willing to do things differently. Now, when you have levels of success in any given area, um, if you have levels of success, you start to like your level of success and you start to like or start to feel confident that the way you do it is the way it's supposed to be done. Right. Now, and and that's that's fine. That's fine. There's that, have, that, that old adage, it's my way or the highway, one of those kind of things. Well, even that, that's a little I bit different that thing. That's when you're talking to other people. <laughs> you're going to do it my way or you're going to have to leave. Okay. Right. But you can't, you can't tell yourself that you have to leave. So it can't be my way or the highway with yourself. But when other people, that's the case. But I do believe there comes a time where you have to be willing to invest in yourself, your time, energy, and effort and be willing to try another way, even if the other way didn't work. Because right. by trying another way, it stretches out and tests your way. So, and that does require a level of resiliency. Right. What, what would happen if I gave it a swing and I missed? Again. Oh gosh. What if you, you've been swinging and you keep missing? Like, and what then you get to that point, am I really supposed, you get to that point where you kind of doubt it. You know, you yes. said it took you four times. Right. Yes. But here's I, the other thing, too. As a believer, I'm a believer. And I know that believers, we always win ultimately. Yes. Always. OK. So that's why another reason in the Bible is basically to me, the punchline of the Bible is as a believer, we always ultimately win. 
even if we have to go 400 years in the in yeah. the in the in the desert and 40 years over there okay but ultimately the believers always win and i rest on that too so but but that's that's a principle that we have to keep trying until and you only have to succeed once you can fail a hundred times right, but you can right. succeed once <laughs> that's it that's right who's uh what was it 409 was the cleaner Formula guy? 409 right i mean i don't know brian i don't know if i could make it to 409 times of trying to do something with a podcast or a business it's like that now look at that confession you just said that you don't know if you could go to 409 that you don't know if you could do billion yes. times good lord but, but you know something Edison, a thousand attempts before he figured out how to have a filament that held the flame long enough to make an incandescent lamp. Um, uh, uh, Colonel Sanders, 900 restaurants saying no. The one said yes. Thomas Edison again and again. Abraham Lincoln, 16 times trying to become president. Right. 16 times he was he failed. Failed at 16 attempts at coming holding public office until he became the president. Okay. And what kept them going? What kept yes. them going? It's belief yeah. in their mission. It's belief in their calling. It's right. belief in that they're here for this particular the purpose. purpose. Your own individual <laughs> purpose, you know. And I'll I tell you, um, go ahead. I have um, I have some art in my house, um, over my fish tank. Okay, and um, it's called a, a spirit rectangle. Is what it is, <laughs> and it's 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 freaking beautiful. It's freaking amazing to me. And uh, every time I look at it, I can see different things. And I see it, you know, twice, once or twice a day. I have to look over there. And um, but the person that made this, the artist that made this, she once made a table like that. OK, a spirit table. And when I saw that table, I thought the table was amazing art. You know, I just thought it was so beautiful. And I wanted that person to make their millions with that art. That's what I, I wanted. And that person with that skill, I think if they dared to try to not do it, they would be robbing the world. They're keeping their special gift from the world. And, and if they don't do that, I'm thinking that person has a degree of selfishness. And I don't see them as a selfish person. So for that person, I think not just for their own sake, because I've seen that person's good works. I've seen their handiworks. I've seen, I don't believe they could have done that table or my spirit rectangle unless they had a tremendous amount of love already in them. You got to have a lot of love. That table, that square I have in my home and the, and the way they looked at that, the way they considered each piece and the way they layered each piece. I just think it's amazing gift that they have to share. Thank you, Brian. You got okay. my you got my cheeks cramping over here. <laughs> For real. I'm like, I've got the tears welling up and then the, the cheeks cramping. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for the flowers. And if there's anybody on here who don't know who I was talking about, I was definitely yes. talking about the price. Yes, yes. That's uh, Spirit Squares. That's right. Spirit Squares. Some of the art that I love to do with my husband. It's fun. I actually yes. uh, I have a new that. project coming up. Uh, It'll be starting in February, but we've got some epoxy on the way. I have a new one that's Ooh. coming up, and I'm going to actually try to work some of the creational process of this in with some episodes. One of the people I'm, I'm making it for, I'm going to have back on the show and uh, kind of see if we can be interactive with it. I'm still brainstorming on how that's going to work, but that is a goal. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. And... Um, I mean, see some of these comments. So Dr. Deborah's joining us. She said, wow, I made it for some of it. I'm definitely going to watch the replay. And okay. Stephanie Morris agrees with you and says, believers always win. I do too. And I'm going to circle back on your comment here in a second, Stephanie. Um, Danny Murphy, he's, he's issuing a challenge here. He says, I don't think you can do it. You <laughs> <laughs> got it. I needed that. I needed the challenge. Good job, I, Danny. I accept that one from you. That was well received. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And uh, Stephanie says, Spirit Square, please share them. They are on my store. If you guys want to check out some examples of the Spirit Square, I'll take a second here and post this. Um, actually, the Spirit Rectangle. 
that Brian is talking about is the first rectangle that I ever did. <laughs> the rest were all squares to begin with, but theirs was, and still is officially the largest piece that I've done as a spirit square, not like a table. Um, and you can see their pictures in there as well as in many other examples. But um, if you guys want to check out my store, it is lessonsandlegacies.company.site. I've got it right there. And um, at the end of this broadcast, I already have Brian's um, ex like direct link posted in the comment thread. I will repost it again so it's refreshed. Um, and I'll also pop mine in there too. But if you want to write it down, screenshot it, it's right there for you now. But check it out. You can see the spirit squares. You can check out my book, which Brian and his wife both helped publish <laughs> and bring to fruition. And um, several other books and greeting cards and wonderful things there. Just check it out. It's not a one-stop shop for just a book. It's There's lots of good stuff now, in there. But you click I haven't told the, the story squares. that <laughs> I came to tell yet. All right. Let's do it. Do okay. it. This is a story I think is topical. And it's a, it's a parable that a lot of you have heard before. But it's a story about this 10-year-old boy who gets known for getting angry. You know, he gets angry, starts yelling at his classmates, starts yelling at his little brother and sister. And he just gets mad all the time and uses bad language and just rah, angry. Beast of um, boy. <laughs> yes, yes. He get. He'd be playing and then he'd get mad and start yelling and screaming at other kids. And his dad recognizes this in his son. He goes, son, let me show you something. He takes him out back to the back fence and he got a box of nails and a hammer. He says, now, because he went, the little boy thought he was going to be like a doing something big boy stuff. He right. goes, now, I want you to hammer that nail into that fence post. He had a wooden fence post. Right. So the boy takes the nail. He'd seen dad stuff and he, he does a really good job. He gets the nail all the way in. He does a good job, hammers the nail into the fence post. He says, good job, son. He says, now, from now on, whenever you get angry and start yelling at someone, I want you to come out here and get one of these nails and nail it into that same fence post. And the kid doesn't understand why, but he's willing to do what his dad tells him to. Next day, he gets mad at one of his friends. Ah! And then he goes back out there and he takes one nail and hammers it in there pretty close to the other one. And he just keeps it going. You know, this goes on for a little while. And after a while, he's got a lot of nails in that fence post. Yeah. And his dad says, okay, now dad, he goes, dad, I got a lot of nails in my post. What's, what's going on? <laughs> oh, God bless you. <laughs> he says, now, son, I want you to, every time you get angry or anything like that, no, no, we're not even going to wait till you get angry. I want you to come out here. I'm going to show you how this works. He showed him the son on the claw hammer. I want you to take each nail out, take each nail out. So the son hooks his, the claw hammer on the nail and angles the hammer up and leverages it against the fence post and pulls out each nail. Okay. Pulls them all out. Okay. Pulls them all out. He says, now, son, look at that post that you took the nails out of. Is that post pretty? Mm. No, it's kind of mangled. Do you think <laughs> it's stronger? No, it's probably weaker. Do you think it looks as good as the ones around you? No, this is going to work as good as the fence posts around him. No, it won't work as good. doesn't look as good. It's not as good, right? Right. When you get mad at someone and you yell and scream at them, even if you apologize later, you get mad, that's like putting a nail in. And apologizing oh. is like taking the nail out, okay? Even what if you can't- visual. Huh? Said yes. Visual. And that's what you're doing to the people around you, son. And guess who else is happening to? It's happening to you. You're putting nails in yourself and you're pulling nails out of yourself. Mm. So, so be mindful of that every time you think about getting mad or angry at anyone about anything. And, that's, mm. and I think because of what happened on January the 6th, because of the vitriol in our nation, I think we're putting nails into each other. And even though we're turning the page and going to a new administration, trying to pull the nails out, that fence post is mangled. That's right. Mm -hmm. I think it's part of that is the blame game. You know, everybody, yeah. everybody, I think it's, it's natural for humans, most of us anyways, to initially want to point the finger like it wasn't me. I didn't do it. 
you know, you want to play that game, you know what I'm saying? Nope, it was him. It's the Republicans. It's the Democrats. It's black. It's white. It's hot. It's cold. It's women. It's men. Ugh, it's the kids. It's the parents. It's the teachers. You know what I'm saying? We all yep. are always pointing the finger. But I love there's a uh, scripture verse and. I know Dr. Deborah's quoted it before. I'm pretty sure I've heard Lisa say it before. I know my pastors heard it. I've had heard of many sermons on it, but they remove the log or the mite from your own yes, eye. Yeah, yes. You know, like, yeah. and I, I use it. I say it to my kids all the time. Like, don't you talk move. about the snow on your neighbor's roof until you move the mite out of yours. Exactly. Your you Something like that. You can't be yelling at somebody else to be perfect and do this right and that right when you went through your day and you're so far from it yourself, you know? Exactly. You can't say treat your neighbor the way that you would like to be treated and then you turn around and curse your kid out. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Or you tell your husband he's a POS and go on into the doghouse for the night. It's like, mm. but were you really cool just then? Not so much. Uh-uh. So I yeah, heard a funny, a uh, real quick funny one. I was at a friend's house. Um, we were playing cards or something. And then the next door neighbor comes in and she tells the lady of the house that your kids out here cursing up a storm out in the yard. They're cursing <laughs> in the neighborhood. And the mother says, what? My kid's outside cursing. And she goes outside and curses those kids out. I know y'all blankety blank kids ain't out here blankety blank and cursing. Right. And I was, I, I, I didn't know them well enough to start busting out laughing, but that was hilarious to me. Yeah. Chastise them for cursing by cursing them out. Right. Well, uh, I've done that. I've done that myself. <laughs> no lie. I have been guilty of that one. What oh, my God. What do you mean you said hell? You know, like <laughs> she didn't get it from me. It's from her dad. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. We point that finger. Right. Again. It's from her daddy, not from me. Mm -hmm. I'm not blaming And the three more pointing back. <laughs> uh, yeah. Dr. Deborah says, what a great story. He's full of them, isn't he? Brian is the master. Papa B, the master. <laughs> Papa B. Okay, we'll go with that. That's right. And Stephanie says, hold on, wait, we got some good comments here. Tammy says, my, my God. God, she's enjoying it. And Stephanie says, I think today we will see some healing. The inauguration was amazing despite these uh, despite there were things that were very different. Yes, they were very different this year. But yeah, I think everything, I mean, it didn't go off bad. That's for sure. There was definitely room. And I know a lot of anticipation of things potentially going awry. So I am very grateful that everything went smoothly as well. Danny, Danny says, everyone puts a nail in the posts. We all do. We're human. I don't know anybody out there that can say that they're guilt-free of putting a nail in somebody else's post or their own, you know, it's part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. Precious says, yes, the nails represent the crucifixion and the moving on with scars represents the resurrection. No matter what, you can get up from any pain or betrayal, especially when you got good people standing and backing you because sometimes you get knocked down real hard, which is part of what I'm kind of going through right now. Um, and you kind of need someone to throw you that rope that that was part of that frog story too. One of these days, I think, uh, it was like, why, said, why did anybody rope? think to throw him a rope? Why did anyone think to do that? You're sitting there booing him and telling him you'll never make it. You lazy ass frogs. <laughs> Your homies down there just jumping his legs to smithereens. And you're just like, ha 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 ha. He'll never make it after one already died. And you're going to just stand there and boo. Exactly. To a brother. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're right. Right. <laughs> Dr. Deb says the air here in the DC area uh, even feels differently. differently. Yeah. You say that. My wife tries very hard to not be political. She don't want to watch it. She don't want to do any of that stuff. But today I had the inauguration on the preceding, the press of the inauguration before it actually happened, before we had to do our show or at noon today. And, um, she was stood there. She goes, Brian, all the air just feels different. The air feels different. So Dr. Deborah said, if the yeah. air feels different in D.C., the air felt different in my home yeah. because of what's going on today. It's it, I, And uh, Dr. Dove, I'm sure I'll relate to it. It's, uh, you know, the air energy travels through the air and through the collective. So I think there's an energy shift that kind of happened, maybe through the whole the collective whole. 
Yeah, the energy felt different for all of us today. And and it's mm-hmm. a new beginning. It's an official new beginning. And we don't know what this means. We don't know which way it's going to go up, down, left, right, spiraling around. We up, can be optimistic know. and we could be hopeful. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. We can be hopeful. Let's be anastrophic in this, right? That's right. It even does that's say right. in the Bible, right? And that's that was something I wanted to circle back to. Stephanie had made the comment earlier. Um, believers, after she piggybacked on what you said, believers always win, you know. Yeah. And the but believe, the belief that things are all working out for your good. It even says in Scripture that God can work all things for good, you know. Mm-hmm. Everything, even a pandemic, if you can believe it. That's right. Even an election, if you can believe it. Even your abusive relationship, if you can believe it. He can work that out. Will, um, that understanding that can give a lot of peace. Earl Nightingale had this quote, within every adversity, there's the seed of an equal to or greater than benefit. So no matter what the adversity is, the bigger the adversity, the bigger the benefit that's right. come out of it. The smaller the adversity, the smaller the benefit. But there should be an equal to or greater than benefit and all of the adversities. Now, sometimes we have to look real, real hard to find the benefit in that adversity. Uh, and I love that you you brought that up, not just here, but you brought that up on Let's Talk About It this morning. And every and you bring it up a lot. And every time you do, I just want you to know that's probably the most frequently quoted phrase from my husband. He uses yeah. that all the time. And that's literally- I've never, there. I've never yes, read it. Yeah. I've never heard it anywhere other than you and him. And every time you say it, I'm like, oh, I have a little chuckle. I'm like, I hear my husband's voice and I hear you. And I'm like, that's good. That's, that's a phrase for you guys to go by there. But I like yes. it. It's because we book. can find peace in that phrase. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, listen, we are almost at the hour here. So uh, and this has been a fun one. I, I didn't even get through my popcorn too. I only got like three bites. <laughs> you know why? Because I was smiling so much. I'm like, oh my God, there's kernels. Ah, you can't be wow. smiling and enjoying the stories with popcorn in your mouth. So I'm going to have to save my popcorn kernels for when you are live and you can't see me. So- <laughs> okay, we'll do that. Because I'm going to have to go live. That's the way we work today. Yep. That's right. And so before we leave and and close out here do you want to leave a last few words with everybody watching uh i would say this that you're important you're important the air you breathe is important and someone needs you to do your thing there's something that you are uniquely gifted to do there's something that you're supposed to do with your time your most important day is the day you're born and the second most important day is the day you discover why so i want you to know right now that you're important and discovering your why and why you're here is super important because we need you That's all I want to say. And I have to say thank you so, so, so much for being here. And again, if you guys want to check out, Brian's got four amazing books out there. I love this one is my favorite. Why Rhinos Make Great Salesmen. Salespeople, sorry. It is uh, not just for children. It's for children and adults. He's also a wonderful coach. He's been a wonderful mentor and friend to me as well. You can get in touch with him at briankmcneil.online. If you want to check out his site and his stores and his uh, offerings there. But if you want to have a conversation and maybe find out about uh, the men's group, maybe you, you're interested in joining in the men's group, or maybe you want to set up a consultation with Brian and he can help you with some sales for your new entrepreneurial business. You can even reach out to him, shoot him a text or give him a phone call at 919-345-4893. It's on the screen below, and uh, I will, again, I'll post this information in the comments on Facebook after we're done here, but it's, uh, I encourage you to reach out and get in touch with Brian. He'll definitely be able to help you. I have uh, been watching and following and learning and growing alongside of Brian for, Brian and his wife, Lisa, for four years now, and I can wow. confidently, confidently put my vote of confidence in him for you. If wow. you know me and you don't know Brian, trust me. Go with Brian. <laughs> what a great endorsement. Thank yeah. you. Hey, you've always been so good. I can't tell you how many commercials you've done for me in the past. So, uh, and so thank you. Thank you guys, everybody who joined in. Again, this has been episode 32 of Lessons and Legacies. 
uh, playing around the topic of resilience and the idea of being anastrophic, knowing that all things are working for your good. So uh, as we round out this day, remember that there is always a blessing in every single lesson and that the lessons and experiences that you have in your life, they are the legacies that you leave behind for the rest of the world to grow from. You know, I use the uh, analogy often of if you touch a stove when it's hot and you burn yourself, do you silently walk out of the kitchen and not tell anybody? No, I'd be telling my kids, don't touch the stove. It's hot. Don't, husband, don't set your wallet on there. Don't do nothing. It's hot. It's hot. It's hot. Why? Because we don't want other people to get burned. Even if your experiences have been burned experiences, share them because you survived. You are a testament to your resilience, to your survival. And you let other people know they're not alone and they can make it too. Amen. So, uh, yeah, your stories matter. Thank you guys for tuning in. Keep that anastrophic mindset about you. Everything is working for your favor. We'll see you guys tomorrow for episode 33. Love you tons. And thank you again, Brian. Thank you. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow.